This is My Take Radio's Behind the Mic. Hey guys, thanks for hitting that download button and downloading the latest installment of My Take Radio, Behind the Mic. On this episode, I sit down with the real Brian, host of ProfitCast and Arrow Squad, and we deconstruct what goes into his podcast, as well as some of the things associated with podcasting as a whole that he is trying to help people out with. I felt that Brian was one of the most genuine people that recently entered the podcasting space, even though he really is a veteran and is really just working to make a difference and give you guys an upper hand in getting your content monetized and seen. Check out this interview and make sure to look for ProfitCast and Arrow Squad. The links for that are going to be in the show notes. If you're a Green Arrow fan and you really, really enjoy Arrow on the CW, you're going to enjoy his work on Arrow Squad. And if you're a fellow podcaster or content creator looking to get an upper hand or looking to get your program or your show monetized, make sure to check out ProfitCast as well. Without any further ado, let's jump into this interview with The Real Brian. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to a brand new episode of MTR Behind the Mic, shining a spotlight on some of the best creatives in the worlds of podcasting, vlogging, YouTube, and you name it. And we want to actually bring them to your ears and your eyes for you to check them out. On this new installment, we have The Real Brian. For many of you that have heard me talk about him on previous shows, he is the host of ProfitCast, and he also does Arrow Squad. He is uh, doing a really great job out there educating the interim as well as the veteran podcaster on ways to actually monetize your podcast, which is what many of us are trying to do. And he's doing it in a really approachable fashion. And I figured what better way to bring his approachable fashion to you guys than to have him on MTR behind the mic. What's going on, Brian? Hey, man, how's it going? I'm glad to have you on. Like I said before we started recording, I, I really like what you've been doing, um, your approachable format, the way you just connect with your listeners and your audience. And I want to kind of jump right into it with ProfitCast in particular, especially because mm-hmm. You have a background in media, and this was a breath of fresh air. So tell us about what nice. got you into doing ProfitCast after being involved in some of the other podcasts that, you, that you've done. What was the inspiration for that? Oh, man. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on. I really do appreciate it, and it's good to finally connect on voice, not just over you know email. So There you go. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it, man. So, oh, man, you know, it, it, it's kind of an interesting story because I'd been uh, in radio for years, and then started kind of transitioning over to podcasting and I had another pod actually had two podcasts that I started off with. Um, both are now done for various reasons. And then, uh, I was doing arrow squad, which actually was formerly TV talk arrow, which was a little network that was going on. And the TV talk network actually shut down just because of costs and, you know, not making enough money and that kind of thing. Wow. And so I got really frustrated. I'm going, okay, there's got to be a better way because there are podcasters out there who are making money and how are they doing it? 
And I, you know, I asked around, I started doing all these questions and, you know, you get the typical, well, podcasting, is it about money? <laughs> I said, <laughs> yeah, I understand that. But, you know, some of us have bills to pay, you know, so we, if we want to really give ourselves to this, we've got to make some money with this so that we can move forward and, you know, devote the time to it. Because usually you hear it's this, I either need to make money, grow my audience, or I don't have enough time. Yep. And it's usually those three things. So I kind of set out to say, well, how do I, well, okay. So it, it actually started off with this. What do I want to talk about? And that's really the question that gets me every time, because when people ask me what my passion is, if I'm really honest, it's getting behind the microphone. That's mm-hmm. my passion. So as far as what to talk about, man, I could talk about 30 different things if I really wanted to, and it wouldn't matter as long as I'm behind the mic. So it started off as this, all right, well, if I wanted to go talk about something fun or, you know, have this passion or whatever, the reality still comes down to is that it's going to take time. It's going to cost money. How do I do that? And so that's where ProfitCast came from was, why don't I go on this guinea pig journey of trying to figure out what it's going to take to do that, to basically make the money to, to survive, you know, let's say even $1,000 a month just to kind of offset some of the costs, but then let's take it as far as making it a full-time living. And so that's, that was where this whole thing started and it turned into this journey of let's find out what works and what doesn't. And I'm going to be honest about it. No, I, that, that's one thing that too many people, they, they lose sight of. And that's that, you know, and you've talked about this on, on previous episodes of ProfitCast, just being genuine because people are going to see through it. Yeah. There's no, there's no, there's no upside to presenting a product or a service or a, or a podcast or any new media content and expecting people to to gravitate towards you strictly because the information you're allegedly giving them is crucial. You also have to yeah. in to some degree sell yourself. If you it, people don't realize that podcasting isn't just getting behind a mic, it's also sales because you're selling yourself to a group of unknown individuals across the planet. Yeah. Well, you know, I've even said that a podcast is a product and you as the host is the salesman mm-hmm. or salesperson, I guess. You have said that. That is true. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Recently, I, I was realizing that I think I've sold myself as a brand more than I have the actual product. Um, and that's not even necessarily intentional. It was just kind of something that I realized towards the end is that a lot of people come to ProfitCast because of, of me, is at least what they tell me. Yep. And I think, okay, well, what about the content? <laughs> you know, well, the content's good, but we like you. And I thought, okay. So it's been kind of, a, again, one of those interesting discoveries that you go, hmm, all right. <laughs> but you're right. You need to build that brand, and that's very important. Did you feel that coming from a radio background that the transition for you is was to some extent easier? Or did you feel that there was still a different type of learning curve for podcasting? And I ask this because a lot of people with radio backgrounds – from the my, from the content delivery standpoint, they're aces. But when then mm-hmm. they have to get involved from the hardware side, you know, mixers, wiring, what programs to use, et cetera, et cetera, it, they, it becomes coming out of their comfort zone. You know, for me, I, I'm a little bit of a nerd on that side, and I'm not a hardcore techie. Right. But um, I do enjoy technology and, and, and kind of messing with stuff, and I've always loved audio stuff. So, you know, give me a couple mics and mixers and let's have some fun. So that's, you know, I kind of already had that under my belt a little bit, but I transitioned from terrestrial radio to online radio. And by doing that and having to take care of all of my own equipment, and I had actually a guy who was an audio engineer, a friend of mine who actually showed me a lot of the ropes as well. 
So for me, it was fairly easy, but you're right there. There's definitely a learning curve when it comes to, especially when you're in radio, if you're not the station engineer, you know, you don't have, you don't have any idea what's going on, <laughs> you know, how to use any of it just because you don't, you're not allowed to touch it. So yeah, I think if, um, if you're coming from that to what do I do and what do I get, then yeah, that would be a challenge. When you're doing profit cast or, or arrow squad, what's your, what's your typical workflow? Like what's, you know, what's a, what's a broadcast day for you usually? Well, actually they're different. So I'll, I'll kind of give you a little bit of both. Okay. The, the profit cast thing for me is really what I'm trying to do now. And, you know, sometimes I get this right and sometimes I don't, but what I found works is that I like to have three to five weeks of content planned out in advance. Nice. Uh, I don't record them all at the same time. I do record them the week of, but um, I, just because I like to have it fresh. I found that if I record something a week in advance, then it usually is outdated by the time I release it. It's kind of <laughs> funny. So I have the content planned out because then I know what's coming up. Although if I have, you know, an inspiration for something, you know, then I will substitute it if it's a timely issue. What I found is that if I try to figure it out the week of, that's eh, just too stressful and it doesn't end up working out very well. So that's the workflow as far as the ideas, get those written down, get those going. And then as far as, you know, when I sit down to start recording the show and I'll pull up my show notes and I'm an outline kind of person. I don't write out what I say because to me that's too mechanical. Yeah, I don't do it either. Yeah. And I know some people need that just because it's more comfortable or they might forget whatever. But I like to keep myself, uh, I'm, a, I'm a talker, I'm a rabbit trail guy. So if I don't keep myself organized, I'll be all over the place and it'll be, a, you know, a four hour episode. So that's that's kind of what I do there and then, you know, record it, produce it and then uh, blog post gets up and then publish. So it's and then, of course, all the promotion and letting people know what's going on and, you know, hey, I'm here and then all the social media interaction. So that's kind of the standard workflow for the actual episode. Right. But as far as keeping in touch with people and answering emails and, you know, sending out stuff on Twitter and social media, that's that's kind of an ongoing process. Are as you, far as. No, okay. Sorry, go no, okay. Okay. As far as Aero Squad, that kind once again, it's that ongoing communication that's going on. Our Aero Squad Facebook group is very active. In fact, you know, it's not abnormal to get 20, 30, 40 messages a day from that group, um, which is awesome. I love it. But, you know, the the typical typical workflow on that's going to be we watch the episode comes out Wednesday nights and then Thursday we get to. I mean, of course, we do all of, all, all of our individual notes from the episode then we come together Thursday night. We talk about everything. We record it. There's three of us. And then uh, all the production and the blog post and all that goes into effect Thursday night. And everything is published and ready for Friday morning. Wow, that's a that's very streamlined. Yeah, it's great. And actually, I, I got to tell you, like we've got um, one of my co-hosts is a phenomenal writer. And she's actually even volunteered to help out now with ProfitCast on the blog side of things just because she just loves writing so much and she's so good at it. Would that so be she, Emily? Yep. Yeah, she her her writing. Even when she she does most of the descriptions for Arrow Squad, right? Oh yeah, yeah. They're 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 nice and concise and very cohesive, and it's good because yeah. it, it gives you just enough to know what you're what you're getting into without spoiling anything, which is always yeah. nice. Oh yeah, yeah. I love her writing. Ever since I uh, started reading it, and I said, okay, I'm gonna let you do the writing. That's you're it. Much better at this than I am. So yeah, it's fun. And um, with regards to your your toolkit for the show, do you? Um, do you utilize different tools for different aspects of the show? When I'm, when I'm putting that out there, I'm asking in the sense of like for arrow squad, of course, it's a multi-person show. Are you doing it through Skype or Google yeah. voice or 
you know, like that's what that's that workflow. And then for ProfitCast, are you doing that in home or are you doing portable recorder? How's how's the layout for each of those? Yeah, I have a uh, in-home studio and that's something that I was able to build years ago when I did that online radio stuff. So that's something I already had, which was nice. Um, but the, the, the process, yes, I go through Skype. Um, I like Skype just because I have a good internet connection and yep. I've chosen to pay for that. Um, so, I mean, right now I can get anywhere from 75 to 125 megs download. Nice. Uh, Very so, good. Yeah. For Skype, it's beautiful. Um, but if you don't have a good internet connection, Skype can really not go well. It just depends. Absolutely. I can and attest also, to that. I'm, yeah. <laughs> but I'm looking into some of these new services. Uh, you know, like Ringer's one of them, and uh, what is it, Pod? Oh gosh, I just lost it. Pod. Anyway, it's it's a newer company, Pod something. I'll I'll get back to you on that one. All right. Um. Anyway, but but there's two new companies coming up, and they seem great. Uh, I don't know a lot about them. I'm I'm actually not really. I haven't tested them yet, so I need to do that because it's the idea. What I, what I believe it is the idea where you both get on. And you record your information to them, so or your audio basically. You record all that to them, and then you actually get the true double ender audio that gets wow. sent to you, and it gets coordinated, and then you can, you know, edit it because it's synced up, which you know would be a lot better than trying to get the audio sent over Skype. But because they're they're beta companies right now, I don't know what the stability is, and I don't know if they're really available to the public. But there's new stuff finally coming out, which is nice, which is going to make online interviews and and stuff like that really nice. The, the cool part is that Emily and Kevin and I, for AeroSquad, we're all in different states. Yep. So it is weird because uh, I'm used to doing, you know, in-house, everybody sitting around, you know, the, the the studio desk and the microphones and, you know, you're just going at it in person. Um, so this is all online now, but that's the tools I use for that. But yeah, I use the studio setup, got the microphones, mixer, compressor, limiter, gate, uh, you know, the actual digital recorder I like, and then I use some of the software stuff for the computer. Yeah, I've I've been trying to, to you know, I've built out the studio over the years and there's still I, I still have my my little issues. Like occasionally I get this uh, this little electronic crackle and, you know, yeah. spend that's a, that's an entire day wire by wire taking them out. My wife looks at me like you're <laughs> you're insane. And she'll just hear me yelling at like 2 a.m., you know. <laughs> But but that's where are you? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. Just you know, yeah. and I, I just wait for the for the crackle to be like here. Yeah, yeah. It's the Batman crackle. <laughs> that's it. Here. That's ah, it. There it is. <laughs> it's 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 crazy. But that's that's yeah. one of those hardships, and I'm and I'm glad that you know you're able to to expand on that because too many people they don't realize that when you jump into into this the, the podcasting game that it becomes an acquisition of equipment and it starts small. Everybody's like, Oh, you know, you just need a mic and, and headphones. Yeah. That's how it starts. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, Oh, I need this mixer. And then I need this recorder. And then if you're doing yeah. video, you, I need this camera. It's- you know, people ask me, how did I get the sound I got? And that's exactly what it is, is that I have set up a, a you know, an actual studio of hardware and I have worked out the kinks. I have gone through the cables like you did, you know, and yep. found out which ones are bad and which one. And, and believe me, I have had many bad cables in my day. And you're like, what is that buzz? What is going on? This is annoying. And we've had to replace the cables. And it took, you know, about a year to iron out all the details because, you know, when one works, then, you know, a month later, another one goes out or something, you know. And then you start to really realize, OK, we've got a good setup now. That's and it. And 
I've cleaned up the audio. I've cleaned up the line noise and I'm, I've minimized the room noise, which is a big deal. People don't know about that. Yep. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's, it takes some time and I highly recommend it. <laughs> no, it really makes a difference. One, one of the things that, that I, that I noticed when you were doing profit cash, you've been doing more of the, the podcast circuit in the sense that you're going to, you know, pod camp, all these different, uh, real world events. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to get your, your vibe on that because when we, when, when blog world was here in New York, I got to go the one time enjoyed it utterly when it was you know blog world new media expo and then they went out to the west coast and that was the end of that and um the the thing that gets me with those events how does it feel and i know you kind of touched on this a little bit when you did profit cast just meeting so many of your peers do you walk in much like i and i'm using myself in this example with a certain preconceived notion of your fellow podcasters and then when you meet them you're like wow i didn't expect this you know you know, a little bit. I, I think the interesting thing about technology nowadays is, you know, we get on Skype, we talk. Sometimes you get on video now. And, you know, when you meet somebody in person, you start to realize, yeah, this person's exactly like I expected versus, you know, 15 <laughs> years ago when you would write over email and, you know, you'd meet the person in person and you're like, this is so different than I expected. You know what yep. I mean? So I think technology has allowed us to be able to really mostly see the people and, and, and get to know the people for who they really are when you meet them in person. Um, but there are, are some people and, and I think the people that I have been shocked by are those that I have not had a chance to interact with. Right. So those that I either listen to their podcasts or um, I know you're, you're probably referring to the A-lister scenario that I talked about mm-hmm. uh, yeah, <laughs> on my show and and I met a couple of A-listers that I was uh, really looking forward to meeting and I've, I've had a lot of respect for and really looked up to over the last few years. And the interactions didn't go well. Right. And I don't know why. To this day, I go, you know, I, part of me wonders if, you know, I was the straw that broke the camel's back kind of thing. Like there was just a bunch of junk going on and I just at the wrong place at the wrong time kind of thing. But that's not really how that person is. Right. Or if... Eh, you know, fame and money starting to affect him. I don't know. I don't know what it is. But I had a conversation with Jen Briney this last week on on ProfitCast, and we talked about that because she was talking about how Adam Carolla, who is like, you know, the inventor of podcasting pretty much, came up to her and was like, you know, surrounded by all these A-listers and was like, whoa, 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 Jen Briney, you know, come here, come here. And everyone's looking at her like, who is this, you know? And we talked about this, but we talked about the whole, how do you treat your heroes and in in the converse, how do you treat your listeners? Right. If somebody's looking up to you. So I thought it was a really good conversation. It was kind of one of those discussions that came by accident, but it turned out to be a great conversation about we need to really watch how we're treating people in public because, you know, yeah, you, you, people get these preconceived notions of you based on listening to your show. And then it's like when you meet them, you know, you got a chance to either either meet that expectation or exceed it or really, really disappoint that person. Yep. I, I think I think that was one of those episodes that really it, it really impacted me when I heard it, because you, you 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 do so much stuff and, you know, you're you're trying to be a a, a, a many a, a man of many hats in a lot of instances. So it's like you have to be your social media voice. You have to be your newsletter voice. You have to be your on air voice. If you're doing video, you got to be your video voice. And what happens is that each one of them, sometimes people lose that sense of consistency Mm -hmm. and they end up creating personas for each one. And then of course you get the, 
you know, you get the the phony persona when it's the it's the real world. And that's not always the case for a lot of a lot of people in our niche. But I have noticed that occasionally there's it's it's almost like Jekyll and Hyde for so many so many of, of the you know the a-list personas because yeah. they have to you know they have to play a role and they have to play either you know the wholesome role or the you know the the, the i'm super knowledgeable role and at the end of the day it's like you know we bleed breed and breathe the same you know yeah you know and so it, it's it, yeah. it, it's it's weird for me and, and I, i'm glad that you touched on that because i said wow he gets it you know, something I've learned over the years too, as a as a recipient of this, is that when we get to a point where we think we know a lot of stuff, we have a tendency to think that we know what's best for other people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so somebody walks up and says, "Oh man, this is going on in my life," and we feel like it's our responsibility to tell that person what to do and how to do it and do it now. Yep. And I don't agree with that because we really don't know what's best for other people. Absolutely we, not. We can advise and, and be there and support people. And, you know, maybe if somebody asks us for advice, you can say, you know, here's what worked for me or here's what I've seen has worked for others. But because you're different than I am, you may or may not want to take that, you know, that path. But I think we, 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 oh man. Yeah. I think a lot of people, man, I, I've done it myself too, where it's like, we just get ourselves in trouble by telling people what to do and ends up hurting everybody. And then it hurts that relationship. So got to watch what we say, man. <laughs> it's so important. Or you get in trouble for being too honest, which is which leads me well, to my yeah. next question, which is, <laughs> do you have you run into instances where you have had to temper your honesty with regards to the medium? And I say this because everybody probably comes to you as soon as they hear the name ProfitCast and they go, hey, this guy's going to help me make money. And sometimes <laughs> they're like, hey, check out my my X, Y and Z show. And you look at it and you're like damn, this sucks. And, and you know, and, and you're trying to find a way to, to temper that because yeah. what you don't want to do is like you said, you don't want to be the straw that broke the camel's back and, and break this person's dream or this person's yeah. idea. But do you run into that often, especially in this niche that you're in, you know, just having to kind of temper yourself to give people not a high expectation or a low expectation, but just a real expectation? I do. I think... Well, okay, so I'll be bluntly honest in this scenario. Of course. Most of the podcasts out there are not that good. There you and, go. And I do not mean that in a way to be discouraging at all. Nope. I mean that in a way that most of those podcasters don't know any better. And that's not their fault necessarily. Um, I look at it as that, you know, there's been this this idea that anyone can start a podcast, and, and I call that the blessing and the curse. Yep. Anyone can start a podcast. That's a blessing. Anyone can start a podcast. That's bad, right? So a lot of people just go, ah, I'm just going to go podcast. They have no idea what the workload is, the amount of time it's going to take. You know, the fact that, hey, you're getting behind a microphone and you lose all body language. And body language is 90, well, what is it? Nonverbal language is 93% of our communication. That's right. So if you're not in front of somebody, 93% of your communication is gone. So you have 7% to work with right there and your words alone will not matter. So if you're not presenting your body language through your voice, you're not effectively doing what you need to do. And most people don't know that and they don't know how to talk behind a microphone. They've never been trained. Um, and, and, and also it's like this other thing about, Hey, let's, let's talk about this because I like it. And I don't know if anyone else likes this or not. I don't know if it's going to make any difference, but who cares? I'm going to talk about what I want. Right. And then they wonder why their audience isn't growing. So I, there's just a lot of, of uh, naivety 
And again, I don't blame anyone for this. It just literally comes down to this whole thing that, hey, everybody can start a podcast. Go for it. And so people do. And they have no idea what they're doing. So, yeah, as far as how do I present that to people, I have to be careful because you're right. You don't want to crush their dreams. Right. But what I do want to do is say, listen, if you really want to succeed with your podcast, you have to put, you have to invest in it, basically. Yep. And this is what it's going to take. Don't be discouraged by it. And if it takes time, that's fine. But you do have to invest. If you don't want to invest, then your podcast, eh, whatever, have fun with it. It won't be that great, but it'll be fun. And so that's that's kind of the way I look at it. I mean, when I first got behind the microphone a long time ago, (laughs) it's like, yeah, that was bad. It was really bad. And I know, uh, you know, John Lee Dumas at one point had said, you know, when Brian started ProfitCast, he was good. And I thought, yeah, but this was 20 years after I started getting behind the mic, too. Right. So if I had just started podcasting with ProfitCast, no way, man, it would be terrible. (laughs) So (laughs) I have that. You know, it's not the overnight success or whatever people think. You know, it has been 20 years of work and getting up to that. People don't need 20 years of work. You know, you can learn to be good behind the mic a lot shorter of time. Right. But you also have to know how to project. And this is something that uh, I'm glad you put it, you 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 wrapped, you gift wrapped it in, in the way you just did. Because a lot of people, yes, you know, anybody can speak behind a microphone. But sometimes you're, people just shouldn't do it. Yeah, I and, agree with and, that. You know, and it's the it's the same thing with with YouTube. Everybody thinks I'm going to be the next, you know, YouTube star. Like mm-hmm. they'll read statistics and they'll be like, oh, you know, this guy makes four million dollars a year playing video games and making crazy faces. Yeah, it's going to work for me because I yeah. can make crazier faces. You know, and it's just like, no, that's not just it. There's, yeah. You there- know, I, I, I play piano, too. And, and when I perform, you know, it's like people say, hey, how can you teach me how to play like that? You know, I I don't really I don't teach piano, but I'll tell you what, it's it's interesting, like to see certain people when they play or when they're trying to learn how to play. Um, And the thing is, is this is okay though, right? Not everybody can play like that. Right. Not because they can't work really, really hard at it, but it's because it's not natural. And so, you know, somebody could go in there and work their butts off. I mean, it's like the Rudy, the movie, you know, the movie Rudy, the whole story about him, which is a true story, right? So. He pushed himself to be able to play for Notre Dame, but he still wasn't that good. And he had like, what, eight minutes of glory or something like that? That was it. And and the irony of that is that everyone's like, oh, my gosh, that's so inspirational. But the irony is that he worked on his weakness. That's it. Rather than working on his strengths. And so for someone who's like, I just want to play the piano when they have no musical, you know, natural talent. I'm not even going to say gifting, but I'm going to say natural yep, natural talent. talent. It, it's going to be hard. And it may or may not be the right thing that can you know allow you to have the most impact. Well, so I look at what's your natural talent and then really go for that. And if getting behind the mic is not, then it's okay. No, and you're a hundred percent right. I mean, to to give you some some background, I started doing podcasting in two thousand and six. Nice. And um I was hot and heavy and I was doing shows, you know, every every week. But I'm I'm here by you know, behind my by myself talking into a microphone for an hour, two hours, and I'll be completely honest, I got burned out. So I figured, eh, I'll put this on the back burner. And then in 2009, you know, technology changed. And I said, oh, I can do live shows. Oh, this yeah. is great. And then I started doing live shows and I started doing uh, taking calls with Blog Talk Radio. And, you know, I started doing that. And then I realized, wow, that audio sucks. <laughs> and um, yeah. I uh, started working working around wor- other other technologies so that 
people wouldn't be stuck listening to crappy audio. I mean, I, I I'm always very self-deprecating on air, and um, I'm always like, eh, you know, if you it sucks, whatever, <laughs> you know. And yeah. what I ended up doing was, like you said, you work on those weaknesses. Like when I did in 2006, my weakness was too much damn time behind the microphone. No yeah. one wants to sit here and hear your crap for two hours or, yeah. or three hours. And then in when I started doing the live shows in 2009, my, my weakness was, wow, this audio quality for, for a call-in show is garbage. So, all right, how do I work around that? And now, you know, at episode 200, people were like, oh, you should make the jump to video. So mm. I made the jump to video and you know, audio and video at the same time and everything. And it's great. I, you know, people feel they can connect with me better because I speak with my hands a lot, you know, being from New York and, um, it's exactly that, but it's, it's finding either finding your weaknesses and, and killing them or outsourcing your weakness and building on your strengths. Yeah. Well, it's like Henry Ford, you know, surrounded himself with people that were better than him. Yep. So that he was great at managing and inspiring people. But, you know, when they asked him, oh, how did you build your engine? He's like, I don't know. That's it. <laughs> and it wasn't like he was an idiot. It was that I that's why I hire these people because right. they know better. And that's why we have a good engine. So let him, you know, let him do that. And I, I kind of feel like it's the same way. It's like we talked about Emily doing the writing. She is better at writing. Than that's I am. right. So I would much rather her do the writing than me try to fumble my way through it. Exactly. You're, you're so. outsourcing that weakness, not because you don't believe in the writing or you don't believe in the content, but you know that Emily's going to deliver a clearer and more concise message that than you can, because then your focus can be applied to the audio portion, Absolutely. which is where your and, strength is. And that's what's been interesting is that ever since she volunteered to take over the blog posts of ProfitCast, which, you know, hasn't been that long. But in that time, I have been able to not only time wise, but even mentally, mm-hmm. the mental power was there to put so much more into the episodes. And interestingly enough, I've had better response since. That's that, that's how it goes. Like, and that's wow. what you want. Yeah, it's incredible how it works. <laughs> well, I wanted to switch gears and, and jump into something you had mentioned about um, coaching and Patreon. And the reason I want to talk about these two things is because when I started listening to your show. You were kind of scratching the surface saying you were planning on coaching and you were like, you know, it's not going to be nothing too crazy. And I like that the way you presented that because you weren't saying, hey, you know, I'm I'm the end all be all and I'm going to take you under my wing and you're going to have a five figure podcast in six months. You said, hey, <laughs> I'm going to coach you if it's good and it works and it's a good fit. We'll keep going. And if not, then we go our separate ways. And I said, that right there is the realest stuff that I've heard in quite some time. Because <laughs> nobody does that. Everybody's like, hey, yeah. I'm, I'm going to coach you. And you know, you're going to lay out whatever, five grand, two grand, whatever the case may be. And we're going we're gonna to carve something great out of you. And, you know, there's, there's, there's an old expression, which is, you know, sometimes you can't make a chicken salad out of chicken shit. <laughs> you know, and that's and 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 that's what happens. Yeah. It's, uh, going back to what we said before, you can't do it with everybody. You can pay for all mm-hmm. the coaching in the world, but if that's not your strength, maybe you know you need to do pottery or macrame or something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why Why did you decide to present coaching that way instead of just, hey, my show's profit cast. You're gonna make money, and I'm gonna coach you. 
what 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 pushed you to just put not put your heart on your sleeve but just be like listen it may not work <laughs> you know well <laughs> let, let's say that there's four things here um the first two i'm gonna say were, were kind of the original things is one i had a lack of confidence <laughs> which is bad but there you go there's there's the honesty but that's mm-hmm. something you got to overcome um the other thing was too is that there's no way I can help guarantee that someone is going to succeed. Yep. Um, and it's interesting because I've been a recipient of people who guarantee it. Yep. And so, so for one thing is I can't guarantee it. Like I, I don't know what this person's going to do. I can advise them and guide them, but if they don't do the work and they don't actually improve, then there's nothing I can do about that. Um, it's the typical, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Right. So I agree. There's, there's that, but that, that was um, created out of, I have been in coaching scenarios in the past and um, some of them very good and some of them not. And what I've realized, especially recently, and this is what I think starting to bother me is that there is an abundance of coaching and group coaching and, you know, Mm -hmm. online courses because that's, what's being taught in podcasting and it's not bad, but it's the typical, Oh, this is a good song. So let's play it to death so that everyone will hate it within six months. <laughs> yes. That... But the song's not bad. It's just we killed it, you know? Yep. hundred so percent. It's the same kind of thing. It's like coaching, group coaching, courses, online courses. They're all good, but people are destroying them because everybody is teaching everybody how to teach. You know what I mean? It's, yep. it's almost becoming, and I don't mean this in a negative way at all, but it, it's becoming a network marketing model. Yep. hundred percent. It's the idea of come take my coaching course. And what I'm going to do is show you how to create a coaching course so you can show others how to create a coaching course and so on. Yep. Nobody's actually really doing anything except creating coaching courses. That's the danger of it. So there's that aspect. But then, you know, I, I get into some of these coaching courses and two things happened. One, overpromising and underdelivering. Absolutely. It's the whole, hey, you know, we're come and join our course and, and you'll do this. And you know, I kind of learned the hard way that that's crap. They really can't promise that. And nobody should promise that. Second of all, there is no one size fits all model. No. Nope. And in order to leverage your time, what's being recommended is go away from one-on-one coaching because that's dollar for time or dollar. What is it? Dollar per hour, dollar for hour kind of thing. Right. Um, whereas like a group coaching scenario or an online course, you can leverage your time and make more money per hour that you spent. So it's a great, you know, it's a great idea, right? To be able to do that. The problem is though, is that the less personal you get, the less you really have any idea what's going on with that person and their podcast. And so instead of getting that one-on-one, let's see where you're at with your podcast. Let's see what you're struggling with. Let me answer your questions. Now I'm the 20,000 foot view saying, you know, let me just bark things at you and hope that you'll get them right when it may or may not even fit that person. Yep. And one thing that, uh, and I'll, I'll say this because I actually loved this course. Um, but the Internet Business Mastery course that I did with Jeremy and Jason, great course. Love those guys. One thing I realized at the end, though, is that they're talking about, you know, hey, this is the course that Pat Flynn went through. And this is why Pat Flynn's successful. And I thought, awesome. Um, towards the end, I started to realize that Jason Van Orden and Pat Flynn are almost identical in personality and talents and strengths. Mm-hmm. No wonder Pat has done so well. Right. He did exactly what Jason did and was able to fully implement everything that Jason did because they're very similar. Their That's strengths right. are similar. And so it makes sense. But for somebody like me who is not like a natural teacher 
professor like like Jason he's a he's an awesome teacher and he's very professor like and he can walk you step by step and he can do that curriculum like it's nothing. I can't do that personally. I'm not like that. I don't get it. He's also very analytical, so he can look at numbers and he can write up spreadsheets and do mind maps. I don't think like that either. I'm a general thinker. I'm an idea thinker. I'm a big thinker kind of thing. I'm an outgoing personality, an extrovert. Right. And so when I started to get through that course, I thought everything here is golden and it's right. Just but not for a me. A lot of it doesn't fit me. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing that I realized. And that's what I talk about with coaching is that, you know, we're all different. We can't expect to learn the same way and then say, well, if you don't learn this way, you've got a, a problem or a, you know, a disorder or whatever, you know? So I look at it that if it's a good coaching fit and I can actually help this person, then I want to do it. And if it's something where they're looking for things that either I can't help them with or it's not the right style or whatever, you know, I'm going to be honest and say, I don't think this is going to work. There you go. Well, it's hard though. Cause you want the money so that you can pay your bills. Right. But I did talk to a guy um, you know, recently, and it was bizarre. We we had an interesting consultation, and um, I told him, "Here's what I do," and he actually got offended. Really? And, yeah, he's like, "I already know all that stuff." What and the I'm heck? thinking, like, "Well, didn't say that you didn't. I was just telling you what I offer." Right. But then I started to realize, you know, well, you know, actually, he doesn't know all of it. He thinks he does, but he doesn't because, well, let's just say I could tell. <laughs> so, well, no, it, it, it's crazy that you say that, and it, it takes me to, to something that I've, you know, I've seen, you know, Tim Ferriss say and a couple of other guys, and they always say, sometimes you got to fire your customers. Yes. So, you know, and, so, and sometimes we got to fire our listeners, yeah, <laughs> you know, because it's like, and, and this is taking us into, you know, your foray now into Patreon, because the, the reason I, I wanted to bring it up is because we we put out our content like you said and it's free content we enjoy it we're providing a service mm-hmm. and the 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 majority of people feel that because they're pontificating their views on you know sea monkeys that they should get 500 bucks an episode or $1000 <laughs> an episode and yeah. that's great but that's not necessarily always the case now when I'm saying about sometimes you have to fire your audience, it's because sometimes your audience expects all this stuff from you and they don't think, hey, it costs six hours of my day to get ready for this. Or, hey, yeah. you know, I got to pay for uh, high end Internet. So it, sometimes you got to come out of pocket. And I've had to, I've had to do it once or twice on air where a guy will be like, hey, you know, your show wasn't up within 24 hours like you usually put it up. OK. Maybe, maybe that day it was just a rough day. It happens. Yeah. But that's, that's the funny thing because then you got to tell them, you're like, listen, you're not paying for it. Yeah. You, know, you get it when you get it. So to, to bring it full circle, you jumping into Patreon and addressing it and now starting to do it actively. I know I reached out to you on Twitter and I said, yeah, I tried. It doesn't really, it hasn't really worked. How mm-hmm. do you, how do you feel now with that? Do you feel that you can expect more from your audience, but also do you feel that you have um, more expectation in the sense that, like I said, you can fire them because it's like, listen, hey, hey, Brian, why didn't you do this? I don't know because it costs money that I don't have, you know? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I haven't actually had anybody kind of say anything like that to me yet. And, um, yeah, I think the, the thing that somebody will say is, Oh, Hey, what, what happened? It's Tuesday where, you know, where's your episode. And it's more out of like, dude, I really want to listen. Not right. like, where are you? 
Um, and I see that as actually a very positive thing because that means that they expect it Tuesday morning. Right. And it's it's a habit, which is what I want. Right. Of course. So I you know, I haven't had anything where it's been in a negative like people because I think everybody knows that it's free in that scenario. And they know, um, you know, that I'm not really getting anything out of it specifically. Right. So it's that hasn't been that big of a deal yet, which is good. Um, but as far as Patreon, you know, kind of answering your question about does it work or does it not work? And again, that goes back to this whole idea that everybody's different. Mm-hmm. And so there's really no one size fits all. But I, I did interview a guy on, on uh, about Patreon on ProfitCast. And, you know, he's been doing very well. And then I've talked to some other people who also do very well on Patreon. But what I have come to the conclusion of is that it really comes down to, um, well, okay. So here's the culmination of what I've learned. Opinion alone is not going to generate support. Nope. So you need to be able to provide value that they can't get anywhere else. And and what I mean, they can't get anywhere else. I really mean that. Like if they can get it somewhere else, you're not going to make that much money or anything at all mm-hmm. um, because they can go elsewhere. So that is a constant issue. Um, I was even reading something recently where competition uh, is a business killer for you. I mean, like if you're in competition, you're going to die eventually. Yep. But if you can become a quote monopoly, um, in a way, then, you know, you're going to, I don't know how true this is really. I don't know if I entirely agree with it, but in many ways it's like, yeah, you're right. You know, if you're the, if you're the first in your niche or the best in your niche, that's when you can really capitalize on what you're doing. Yep. Survival um, of the fittest. It is. Yeah. I mean, it really is. So, you know, with that, it, but it also comes down to building relationships because the people that are going to give you money are invested in you mm-hmm. and your podcast. Correct. And they, they have a relationship with you. They care about you. Um, you know, I, I have actually gotten this question a lot. Like I'm thinking about starting a podcast. Should I start Patreon right away? And I thought, uh, you know, do you have any relationships built? That's, That's my first question. Nobody's going to support you if they don't know you. hundred um, percent. It's different. Like with Kickstarter, you actually have people who are looking for investments because of the actual topic. Right. Whereas with Patreon, it really comes down to the relationships. I don't know if there are investors out there that scour the Patreon pages and just give. I I've not seen that yet, but in Kickstarter, yeah. So it is different, but I, I really think it comes down to relationships. I, you know, it's going to come down to people who are going to support you because they get value out of what you have to say. And it also takes time. And it's also a numbers game. You know, if you've got 20,000 listeners per episode, then, you know, your percentage of people that are willing to give are going to be greater. Of course. Than if you have 200 downloads an episode exactly it's yeah again there's a lot of factors there's really no one right way it's factors well you know it's it's funny because you in in an episode you had done you had talked about that exact thing the numbers game and how oh you know the average amount you know you should get per episode is a thousand downloads or whatever it is and it, it it varies i feel that it varies based on your your passion and the and the and the passion of your audience like that's yeah. another thing too. Like you can have 50 downloads an episode and it's 50 consistent downloads of 50 passionate people. Yeah. That want that want to hear what you got to say or you might get 100 downloads an episode and it's 100 passionate people, but at the end of the day it's going back to what we said at the beginning. It's it's a sales thing. It's like can you convert those 100 people that downloaded your show? If you can't, then you need to work on that. Yeah. You know, and this this is interesting because uh, Rob Walsh from Libsyn talks about that the average downloads per episode of all of the podcasts on Libsyn that host with Libsyn 
Um, it's 173 people listening to an episode. That's the average. Give or take. I mean, I've, I've, yeah. my numbers fall within that. I mean, I get, you know, two, two K, maybe three K a month. Yeah. In, in and, total, you know, and again, though, it's a nice number to look at like, yeah, 3000 or yeah, 2000. And then you're like, yeah, but that means per episode it's X. Yeah. So you just got to step that up. <laughs> and that's not even necessarily a bad thing. Going back to what you said, if you've got those engaged and loyal listeners, yep. because I think the here's the problem that I'm starting to realize is that somewhere not that long ago, we we had this idea that, you know, we all as podcasters should be hitting 10 to 20,000 listeners an episode. Yep. And I think part of that comes from the fact that in the glory days of podcasting, you know, it was a it was an early adopter thing. Very few podcasts out there. It was easy to get 10,000, 20,000 listeners an episode because, you know, you didn't have to do anything. It was new, right? Absolutely. Oh, everybody's going to go there. It's like a new restaurant. Nobody knows if they like it yet, but they've got lines wrapped around the building for days, you know? Absolutely. And it's the same kind of thing. It's like nobody knows. So that's, but we've all based on, oh, you know, 20,000 listeners is, is the minimum number that we're going to use for sponsorships. And I've heard that direct from companies. I've interviewed them. I've contacted them. And I'm like, where do you get this 20,000 listener number yep oh that's just what it is i'm like you have no idea you're just listening to random stuff so i think the problem and yes i'm frustrated and i'm a little animated about this but at the same time i want to i want to see a change is that we need to change the realism of what podcasting looks like yes you know twenty thousand downloads an episode doesn't mean anything necessarily what means something is how engaged your listeners are so whether it's 50 or twenty thousand engagement loyalty and and listeners willing to take action, that's what matters. No, and, I agree. And the thing is, is companies, they haven't understood that yet as far as for sponsorships. They will. Um, and I think a lot of podcasters don't understand that yet because there's still a lot of stuff going around about it's all about the numbers. And then people get so hung up on numbers. And I got to get new and noteworthy and blah, 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 blah. It, it's good. It's all good stuff, but it's not the thing we go after. We're going after engagement and loyalty, and it doesn't matter how many listeners you have. And then if we can translate that to you can make money with 100 listeners because everyone else is on board with that because they understand the loyalty and the return on investment is there. Well, now we've got ourselves a business. Yep. I mean, but there, there is a disconnect. It's it's coming together, though. Well, that's that's one of the things that I that I've mentioned it when when I did the Patreon the first time I was I think I started like a dollar tier and I was like, all right, dollar tier, dollar per episode, whatever the case may be. You know, we do two episodes a week now and I'm like, you know, it's a buck. Everybody can afford a buck, you know. Yeah. And when I saw it and I saw like one guy, he signed up and this guy was a diehard. He, he listens. He tweets me every week. I was like, all right, that's kind of cool. And I'm like, all right, buck an episode. Great. Yeah. And um. As as the weeks pass, people were like, "Hey, man, you know when are you guys gonna start doing the the shows more days?" Because usually, originally, just to, again to give you background, my original shows used to be four topics, and it was from eleven p.m. to one a.m. Wow, exactly. And yeah. it was it was starting to burn me out, and I said, "All right, I'm gonna split the show in half, and I'll do uh, Wednesdays two topics, and then the other uh, Thursdays the other two. Great." And of course, like you said, it's like you do more shows, the num the download numbers are going to go up. So don't don't get don't get high on yourself yeah. seeing that. So um, when I started doing that, I'm like, all right, maybe people who, who contribute now because it's it's less it's less of a sh um less of a time investment on their part. Shows are like 90 minutes, maybe 
an hour tops, nothing. And I said to myself, well, geez, you know, 500 people, a buck an episode, that's 500 bucks. That'd be great. Nothing. Yeah. And I yeah. just, I just, I just kind of pulled the plug on the Patreon for the time being, because I said, maybe I'm approaching this wrong. And I remember that you, when you had spoke to the, um, to the gentleman that did the atheism podcast, he was talking about not setting reward expectations, but setting milestone expectations. Mm-hmm. And, um, that resonated with me. So that kind of has had me revisiting the whole Patreon thing for that. So, you know, I wanted to actually mention it and, and thank you for that because it actually, it, it took a moment to step back and stop being angry about it. Like what the hell, you know? <laughs> and yeah. I was like, all right, maybe I'm approaching this wrong. So, you know, I wanted to take that and say, thanks. Oh, you're welcome. Well, thank, thank Noah, man. Cause I, I tell you what, he, he really had some good information on that. And Absolutely. It's been great. And even even taking his advice too, you know, I, I'm not at the level of success that he has, but I also know he has a lot more listeners than I do mm-hmm. too. Um, his his topic is far more broad than mine is, absolutely. As well, but you know, I'm I'm seeing honestly, I didn't expect really anything from Patreon. I was kind of doing it as an experiment to be yeah, like, hey, a whim, you know, on a whim. we'll see, we'll report back, and it's it's gone farther than I expected. Um, with like I said, what I have and and for the time I've had it up. And so I'm very honored <laughs> well, that way. Well, all I got to say is when I saw your Patreon supporter page and I saw that John Lee Dumas was on there, I said, look at that. I was shocked. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, said, I knew, I knew he that. listened to the show, but I was like, wow. I'm like, John, dude, really? Like, are you, you got all these shows you could sponsor? And he's like, dude, you've had my support from day one. Yep, I was I, like, wow. I saw it. And I said, add a boy, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was that was really cool, man. And and you know, to to bring it full circle and to and to get into wrap up territory, I just wanted to cover a couple of things. When when you're looking at podcasting both for, for Arrow Squad and for ProfitCast, where where do you draw inspiration from for those days where you just don't feel like doing it? <laughs> oh, that's a great question. Because that's um, that, know, nobody acknowledges that. Some days you don't want to turn on that. Might be like, ah, oh, I feel terrible. Yeah, you know, and I've had many of those because, um, you know, there's always, like I said, there's that pressure of money. It's like when you're an entrepreneur and you're trying to do this kind of stuff. And right now, I mean, I, I'm putting full time into this, so I'm I'm taking a risk. Wow. And I I don't have the, you know, the steady income that's coming in to help support this. So it is stressful, and it's still not full time yet. Right. Um, as far as income. So that honestly is probably the biggest thing. It's not necessarily a lack of inspiration as it is a heavy, heavy burden of stress. Mm. And so I'm inspiration for me is not as much of an issue because again, I love getting behind the mic. So for me, that is inspiration enough and I wish I could do it five days a week. Um, But yeah, getting past that stress moment or that discouragement or feeling like I'm failing or whatever, because it happens, you know, absolutely. Um, You get to the point where you're just like, okay, um, yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's like, you know, going to my wife and having her kind of talk me out of it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, other times it's just like, listen, I'm just going to do it anyway. Uh, and I'm going to just remember that I'm doing this, you know, to impact people. That's the reason I do this. Yes. The money needs to come, but I don't do this solely for the money. Right. And so it's kind of that reminder that I'm, I'm hopefully encouraging somebody and making a difference in somebody's life that can get me through the stress of the money issue. All right. I, that, that's an awesome answer. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask on the on the flip side, what has been thus far your your greatest experience? Like the one of those moments where you're like, damn, I love this job. 
<laughs> like, like, what what has it been for you? Okay, well, I, I don't know if there's like one greatest thing, but I, for me, it really comes down to hearing from my listeners. If, okay, if somebody writes me and says, "Oh my gosh, you know, you seriously made a difference," or or this changed my whole outcome, or I'm re encouraged, uh, you know, that's the kind of stuff I get from from Profitcast. Listeners just saying, like, I can't tell you how much this means to me or whatever the case is, you know, um, that's been phenomenal. And, and, and it is really because ProfitCast is more along the lines of a business style. Um, you know, most of the time I hear stuff back that it's changed my business or it's changed my outlook and that kind of thing. With AeroSquad, what's been ironically fascinating because this started a while back when somebody said you can't make a business out of an entertainment podcast or a TV podcast because let's face it. You're not solving a pain or a problem with a TV show podcast. <laughs> really? That's what, that's what they told me. You're so kidding. I'm like, All right. Well, I guess we're just going to, you know, talk about TV. And basically, I mean, I can't, you know, I've gotten this so much. People just going like, ah, that's stupid. That's just a hobby. You know, whatever. You guys are, I can't believe you're doing that. What a waste of time. Or, you know, you're getting paid to do whatever. Typical junk, right? Right. So what's been really interesting is I have heard life-changing comments from the AeroSquad listeners. Really? I hear some of that from ProfitCast, but I hear more of it from AeroSquad. I'll hear people who will write in and say, I have, you know, had some health issues recently and I've been, you know, really down on myself and I'm having a hard time. And if it weren't for you, I don't know where I'd be. That's tremendous. Like that. I've heard stuff where, you know, a, a friend of ours actually was going through a, you know, kind of a nasty breakup with his girlfriend and he's just like, dude, I've been so depressed. And it's like, you're you're a community who's like you're almost my family and he's like because of you i can get through my days right now so i mean i'm hearing stuff like this that i'm just like holy cow like we're we're solving a pain here because these people don't necessarily have a local community where they feel accepted or because i mean let's face it comic book nerds don't necessarily i mean it's becoming a little more mainstream now because of what marvel's doing but I know a lot of guys who love comic book stuff and, and, you know, comics in general, and they're a little nerdy. They're still not treated that respectfully. Nope. I mean, none of us have been, right? Nope. Absolutely not. I mean, as and a comic so, nerd, I can I can attest to that. And I mean, I don't yeah. I don't fit the profile sometimes when it comes to, like, some of these events. I walk in and they're like, oh, really? You're into comics? I'm like, yeah. So I understand. Yeah. And, yeah, and you're like, you know, you want to talk to people in your community and they're just like, yeah, you're one of those guys. And you're like, come on, man. I, and I've heard this from so many of our listeners that say you have provided a place for us, first of all, to go. Second of all, to feel like we're respected and we're accepted, a place where we can share our voice and be heard. And you actually want our opinions. And when I and I've heard that from so many of our listeners. And once I started hearing that, I was just like, OK, if this doesn't solve a pain, I don't know what does. This is like the biggest pain we all have is to feel accepted and heard. That's tremendous, man. I that that is a that is an amazing, amazing answer. That's an amazing experience. <laughs> yeah, that's that's crazy, yeah. man. That's that um that leads me to the the, the next the, the next question, and then um we can wrap things up. I you know you have your Arrow Squad group, and yeah. um you know a lot of people they go they jump and they do Facebook fan pages. I have done them. What what made you want to go the group route? Do you did you want to feel personally more connected that way? Mm-hmm. Is that what yeah. the reasoning? Uh, you know, I started off in Facebook when um, when it became available to people outside of college. Right. So I don't know, 2005 or six, whenever that was. 
So I was one of the quote early adopters of Facebook and I loved it. And once they changed their algorithms and it became, you know, this popularity mm-hmm. contest and timeline junk, I was like, I hate this. This yep. sucks. So Facebook pages were the same thing. Um, we used to have a Facebook page where everybody that was on it saw everything. They engaged with it. It was great. And then, you know, a couple of years later, I had a Facebook page for something else and nobody saw it. Nobody engaged. And I was like, what just happened? Yep. I, I'm I in went, that boat right now. Yeah. And I went in and I did all my research and I realized that at this point, Unless, I mean, okay, when it comes to Facebook pages, if you don't pay Facebook, nothing's going to happen for you. That's nothing's right. Nothing's going to be seen. So it's all about the money for them now, which is sad because it didn't used to be that way. Um, even though they say Facebook will always be free. Yeah, well, you're going to get crap if you're if you're the free version. That's right. But groups still, it's like the old Facebook. Everybody sees it. Everybody has an opportunity to interact. It's like its own little sub community and everybody. That's why we went that route because we get so much engagement from Facebook groups. I don't even recommend Facebook pages anymore, but I'm afraid Facebook's going to change the groups even eventually. Mm. And then Facebook's just going to be a lost cause and we're all going to have to go find something else. But who knows? No, I, I, I definitely, I wanted to, to touch on that only because, you know, I have two pages, one for our big brand and one for the show. And a lot of people were asking like, hey, man, you know, are you going to are you guys going to because we used to have forums. Are you guys going to bring back forums? I'm like, eh, or, hey, you know, we don't see all your stuff. And then I was like, a couple of people were like, oh, you should try a Facebook group. And I'm like, eh, I haven't really seen any anybody be super successful until I spoke to you. And then I'm like, oh, that's yeah. pretty good. So that's Facebook that's awesome. are amazing. That's good stuff. Yep. For now. So that, that may change. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, put an asterisk next to it for the time being. So to to, to wrap things up, um, do you have any other projects on the horizon that you can share with us that people can check out? Uh, nothing official yet, but I am kind of working on some different things to. Well, so one thing I'm looking at doing um, and I can just kind of share this in general uh, is putting out some products, some training products, you know, like videos. I'm really, you know, at this point, I've actually been asking the ProfitCast listeners, like, what what would best help you? You know, do you want nice. me to create videos for you guys or do you want me to offer the the group coaching or the one-on-one coaching? What, what's going to help you the most? So that's something I'm in a process of just trying to find out, you know, what what's going to help those people and get them, yeah, get them the information they need. I would love to be able to do it for free. Like, I actually was talking to my wife about this, that if I could help people for free, I'd do it. But yep. the reality is, is we live in a country that you kind of have to have money to survive, unfortunately. Yeah. So it's, it is what it is. Um, on the other hand too, it's like, you know, I, I've actually had people come to me and I've, I'm, I've been in the same boat. So I totally understand this. You know, somebody comes and they say, dude, I, you know, I can't get my feet under me. I'm in a desperate situation. Can you lend me some advice? And the first thought is I need to charge this person. Mm-hmm. Um, because the advice they're looking for isn't just a quick question. No, it's, it never is. It's going to take a long time to work with this person. Correct. And um, I actually was, ironically, I was getting ready to, to say, listen, I will talk to you for free for, you know, as much as I can and help you. And I sent him an email to say, contact me, let's chat. And he had an auto reply saying uh, that he had gone homeless because he'd lost his house. Wow. And I was like, Crap. So I felt horrible about that. I mean, it wasn't my fault, but at the same time, like I could have helped this guy. And I know that I've been in in a place too, where you're just like, you know, I just need a little guidance right now. I'm so close. It's like, I have the puzzle put together Mm -hmm. and I'm missing one piece and I can't find the piece. Absolutely. 
and I just need a little help. I don't have the money to pay you. Is there anyone willing to guide me? And usually the answer is no. And I thought this is wrong. So I don't know. I'd like to get to a point where I could, you know, once in a while when somebody is in a legitimate, you know, true need, I can offer that for free. I'd love to be able to do that. Um, I don't know if that's, I just don't know. I mean, it's something I'm working on, but um, I'm, I'm really trying to get to a point where I can have enough coming in financially that it allows me to be able to do stuff like that. And I don't have to worry about, you know, making ends meet and stuff. Um, I don't know. This is all kind of the weird stuff that I'm kind of working on right now and trying to figure out how best to serve the listeners and how best to, you know, really move forward. Um, but the problem is, is I have a lot of other ideas that I'd love to implement as well. <laughs> and it just comes down to time. And, you know, I'd love to do a whole superhero network kind of idea just because as much as I love Arrow, I like other superhero stuff too. Oh yeah. So anyway, there's, there's a bunch of stuff on the horizon. Um, I don't know what's actually going to to be implemented, which is why, you know, I don't have really a, a full answer for you yet, but that's kind of what I'm working towards. Cool. Not a problem. So if people wanted to catch up with you or contact you, where, where can they find you? If you want to go to ProfitCast, you can go to ProfitCastUniverse.com and all the information's on there, of course, on, you know, iTunes and Stitcher. And uh, I need to get on Spreaker. I actually haven't done that yet. I need to do that. And then um, AeroSquad is just AeroSquad.com. Same kind of thing. We're all over the place, you know, with that. You can go on your mobiles and listen to all those shows. But if you'd like to connect with me on Twitter, I enjoy that as well. My Twitter handle is at I am the real Brian and Brian is with an I. There you go. All right, Brian, I, I, I'm very grateful that you took time out of your busy schedule to, to come on here and, and kind of talk shop with us. And um, we really appreciate it. And, you know, if there's anything we can ever assist, you know, drop me a line. I'll be happy to help. I appreciate it, Rich, man. This was fun. Thanks for having me on. All right. Hey, guys, thanks for checking out MTR Behind the Mic with The Real Brian. To find out more about ProfitCast, The Real Brian, or Arrow Squad, make sure to check out all our links in the show notes episodes of mtr behind the mic as well as mtr beyond the mic are always available first to my take radio app owners if you haven't picked up the official my take radio app you can find it in the itunes store for ios devices on amazon's android marketplace for android and of course in the windows marketplace for windows mobile and windows 8 devices as for my take radio the live episodes air every wednesday and thursday at 11 p.m eastern 8 p.m. Pacific. As always, you can find My Take Radio and Rageworks on social media. Just look for My Take Radio or Rageworks on Facebook, Twitter, Google+, Pinterest, and any other social media outlets. As always, we appreciate the support. Thanks for hitting play. Thanks for downloading this episode. I am out of here. Peace.